one of my favorite Christmas albums. I can listen to it again and again, even sometimes in July, whatever, is uh, Roberta Flack, her Christmas album. It's just amazing. And uh, there are so many songs and, and ways that she sings them that are just uh, very revelatory. But there's one in particular. <clears throat> I'm not sure <clears throat> if the title is <clears throat> Because This Child Was Born. <clears throat> but that phrase repeats itself more than any other phrase in the song. Because this child was born. And it goes through all kinds of things that has happened to us, to the world, to humanity, to the past, the present, and the future, because this child was born. So um, there's just such great emphasis. And, uh, you know, even the today, uh, including last night, this is the only day in the church year, the only feast, I should say, I believe, even more than Easter, that has four distinct sets of masses and readings. There's the vigil mass met earlier in the day, sometime after four in the afternoon. There's the midnight mass. Um, there is the mass at dawn. And then there's the mass of the day, which we are celebrating now, the mass of the day. And each of them has a group of readings, and some of them are talking about he is to be born, and he is born, and, and, but they're very rich. Now today, uh, and, and I choose it because it, it truly isn't the morning Mass. We been, I've been in parishes that we had a 6 a.m. Mass too, and I said always to God, thank you, God, for such an early Mass. But uh, whatever. Uh, we don't have an early one like that. And besides, really, uh, two Masses uh, during the day, we, one for English, one for Spanish, uh, simply does it. But uh, the readings for this Mass are, are, are just delightful in so many ways. First of all, when we often meet people for the first time, uh, we might say directly to them or about them to someone else, you know, you really have beautiful eyes. Uh, and, and some people, some, their eyes just stand out. Uh, they're green or they're blue or whatever. They're dark chocolate brown, whatever. Um, sometimes people say, what a beautiful smile. Or, or even, you have such beautiful teeth. But does anybody ever say, I just love your feet? Your feet are beautiful. Well, this is why I wear sandals, because I have beautiful feet. But not because I think they're beautiful, because the Word of God said it today. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And again, it's typical scripture that, that, that can use such imagery and language and storytelling to lift up something and make it very special. To talk about the feet that would carry the person who would go from town to town to preach the good news. And perhaps we could say that about so many other things, our hands and our heart and all kinds of things. But the point is, these scriptures are lifting up our response to this because this child was born. And when we stop and further reflect, we get today... Um, and as I was saying yesterday, there, there's only two birth stories in, in the Bible. Uh, not all four Gospels have a birth story. There's nothing in Mark. And this John is not a birth story, actually. It's, it's, in fact, it's called the prologue. It, it's kind of a, um, um, before we get into the Gospel, to give the significance of who the Gospel is about, and it's Jesus the Christ. And, and it deals with 
who he is in a very special way. But before we get to that, the, the other two Gospels that actually tell the story of the birth, although they tell it very differently, are Matthew and Luke. But John's Gospel, this prologue, has a few one-liners that are just unbelievable. He starts by saying, uh, in the beginning, which, by the way, where else do you hear that, those three words? Genesis, the very first words of the Bible, in the beginning. Well, John connects everything. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in that prologue, it's, it's a kind of proclamation of who is he? Who is this child? And why is there so much to be said because this child was born? Because this child is the Son of God. And this child always was with God because this child is God. Now, nowhere in the Bible do I think it, it is said so precisely and so profoundly as in John's prologue. And it took about 110 years or around that time, um, after, about 70 years after Jesus' birth, that the church had come to such clarity about who Jesus is and was, that he's the Son of God. And then it talks beautifully about how this divinity of God, the word they, in Greek they say is sarx, became flesh, took on flesh, it says in some of the scripture passages, and became man, became a human being. He entered into our humanity. Now, um, as we continue with the Mass, we do, something, we do some things all the time, like the priest kisses the altar at the beginning and the end of Mass. It's, uh, I don't know if everybody notices that, but, it's, but I think the most priests do. It's, a, it's a, an incredible gesture for me to kiss the table. Why, why do we kiss tables? But this is the table of the Lord where we celebrate Christ becoming our food uh, for our lives, for our lives of the Spirit. And, and another thing we do is at the end of the uh, preparation of the gifts, the gifts are brought up and the priest lifts up the bread and then he pours wine in the chalice. And if you notice, he takes the, the, the little cruet of water and just drops a drop. Now, it's hard to drop a drop. I remember as an altar boy, some priests would put their thumb on the, and just, oh, gosh, they made sure it was a tiny drop. But here's the significance. It says in the opening prayer that God's divinity entered into our humanity. And so the prayer is said uh, that, this, that this divinity, this drop of water, represents Christ being dropped into this wine, uh, which is all of us so that his divinity would enter into our humanity. And, of course, that wine represents the blood of Christ. So we see this divine mixing going on. And as you've heard me say before, and I say it, this is, this is one of the two great feasts of the church, the two great feasts. It's the only two times that there's a whole preparatory time and then a celebratory time for Advent preparing for Christmas, which is the great feast time, for Lent, preparing for the great feast of Easter. And, of course, the birth of Christ is the incarnation, and the death and resurrection of Christ is the redemption. Um, 
Today, we gather all that together in some way. <clears throat> now, about a year ago, well, I should say 12 years ago when I came here, um, I'd been to the parish only once. I came to drop off some uh, priest council materials to one of the priests who was on a committee with me. And um, so that was the only time I'd ever seen the church. I wasn't aware at the time that the BVM sisters were here, and they taught me also. In fact, my pastor for most of my life uh, had been at this parish too, and Father Bob Gibson also came to St. Charles. So it, it's a very strange mixing. The beginning of my life and the ending of my life has been wrapped around uh, these two parishes and, and so much that has been in common. But... Um, I think that uh, celebrating the incarnation, the redemption, is such a powerful, powerful thing um, because it, it tells our whole story. So when I came here, I walked in the church, and I saw the risen Christ up there, and I said, oh, oh, because it's a beautiful statue, and certainly to represent Christ risen from the dead is amazing, but I said, where's the cross? And then I found it back on a wall back there, and I thought, oh, no, no, there's something wrong here. The, the cross is so central. So about a year ago, it fell down from the wall and broke. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But um, the altar society came to me and said, Father, the cross fell, and it's broken. I said, oh. And they said, well, we'll get a new one, okay? And I said, oh, sure. So they bought the new one. And they said, do you want us to put it up back there? And I said, no. I said, I have a better idea. Put it up here. And I wasn't thinking it all the way through, but um, they did. They hung it right up here. And I remember walking in the front door when I first saw it, and I said, oh, now that's it. That's it. To look through the cross to the risen Lord. I mean, that's the whole mystery of redemption. Well, here we have it all gathered up. It's the only time in the year in this season that we gather it all here, uh, the incarnation and the redemption. And that, those are the two great mysteries of our life and of our faith. And so we would say, again, as, as uh, Roberta Flack sings, because this child was born. But I'd like to take it a step further, because I can say all the stuff that I just said, but I'd ask each of you personally, I'm not going to ask you to stand, raise your hand and talk or anything, but, but ask it in your heart. What has happened to you up until this day because this child was born? I mean, a lot of people come and they love to come up. The children carry up the baby Jesus. We incense the baby Jesus. People will come up and take pictures with the baby Jesus. Uh, this is a very significant visual thing for us in our church. This represents so much because this child was born. But until we get to that point where we ask, what has happened to me personally because this child was born? Who am I differently because I know this child? And there's a lot of people who never met this child in their heart. There are some people, I'm sure, on this planet who've never even heard of Jesus. There are places in this world, I mean, China and India have the two biggest populations on the planet, and, and most in both of those countries are not Christian. It's a tiny, tiny element, especially in China, tiny elements. And so I wonder how many millions of people could not answer that question. Well, because this child was born, I, uh, I, 
And it's the uh that is so important. When we can answer that question and say something is different in me. And I'm not talking about going to church every Sunday and receiving communion. That's all beautiful. And I believe in it deeply. I dedicate my life to it. But there's something even more than that. And I think it, it probably ties up to that right there, which is why I think it's so important that we see that when we come into church. Because we talk about the, the divine entering into our humanity, and again, you've heard me say it many times, but for me, the most divine and human moment of Jesus' life in his 33 years was there. And for me, I can tie it down to a minute, down to the specific minute, according to Luke, when after all that had happened to put him on that cross, hanging there with nails through his hands and feet, dripping blood and slowly dying on the cross and being humiliated and ridiculed into the last minutes, that he could have the divinity, the divinity to say, Father, forgive them all, they know not what they do. That is so superhuman, you could only call it divine. And that's what we get invited to sharing in because this child was born.